I'm Maria. And I'm Roisin. And welcome to the Fitness Fertility Podcast. This podcast is all about how improving your physical fitness can help support you on your very own fertility journey. I'm a personal trainer who specializes in training women with fertility problems. I myself have PCOS and have had two beautiful boys, and I'm on a mission to help you do the same. Before we get into it, we will be discussing adult themes such as where do babies come from, pregnancy loss and bereavement. We may also be sweary from time to time. We are optimistic, light-hearted girls, but we know this is a really stressful time for some of our listeners. We respect that. In this week's show, we are diving back into our post bag for our October Q&A. And thank you, as always, to everyone that got in touch. It is great hearing from you. And we've had so many questions in from the States this month. It's really good to have you guys on board. We're going to start with Abigail from Massachusetts. Hi, Roshin and Maria. October is a difficult month for me because in the States, we do Halloween in a big way. And yes, you do. Really makes us look so lazy over in the UK, quite honestly. <laughs> Decorations, lights, lots of trick-or-treating. I have been trying to conceive for four years, and to be honest, I'm dreading it. Seeing all those cute kids coming up to my front door. Is there any advice you have to manage this? Thank you for getting in touch, Abigail. Absolutely, we have ideas and advice that can help you get through this. But what I'm also wondering, when people ask questions like this, Quite often I find it's more to do with just asking the question, look, can I just tap out of this? Is it okay for me just not to do this? Because sometimes it's like we just need a little bit of permission to say, do you know what? I love my community. I love my nieces and nephews, but I can't do this this year. And there are lots of practical things you can do. But for anyone listening who just doesn't want to do Halloween, please don't feel guilty about it. It's okay to look after yourself. That's absolutely fine. When it comes to the practical things, I don't know how it works over there, but here in the UK, Roshan, I don't know if, if they do this in Ireland, but there seems to be this rule of if you are happy for people to come to your house, they have a lit pumpkin outside their house or on the driveway. Now, I don't know if they do this in Scotland. It seems to be an English thing. I don't know. There is no such call sign in Ireland. <laughs> but you've got to remember... The vast majority of people in Ireland and also welcome to all of our Irish listeners. We have had mm -hmm. some emails and questions in from you guys as well. We tend to live in what is known as estates, like housing estates. And regardless of where you are kind of, you know, in the social ladder, you are probably going to be raised in the estate. So you kind of know the houses to go to and the houses not to go to. Even for if you don't know, your parents know, like it's always... We're going here, 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 and we're avoiding here, here, and here. So that's just having kind of good neighborhood knowledge. Because I'm raising my kids in the UK, and even though I've been here a long time, I don't know all the social norms. If the lights are on and, and we have some decorations, that's a go sign. And if the lights are off or it looks like there's been zero effort made, I think it's good to move on from that house. Mm -hmm. But I do think there is a huge amount of permission to not be anywhere near the place on that particular night. You know, do something for you. Rent a hotel that has a nice spa and just spend the night there or go and see friends that maybe don't have kids and they're not interested in Halloween either. I'm picturing a lovely little Airbnb, no one around, you and a significant other, 
just go, just go away for the night. No one's going to be coming up the dirt track. You're on your own. No one will pester you. And just go and, I don't know, eat some popcorn. You could watch a scary movie, but there will be no kids there to interrupt you. You absolutely have our permission to get out of Dodge. Our next question is from Annika from Bradford in the UK. Hi, both. I need to lose around seven pounds in order to achieve my 29 BMI target. I have already lost two and a half stone. Well done. Well done. My weight seems to be stuck. My motivation is way too low. What else can I try to get me back on track? Annika, I'm so impressed that you've already lost two and a half stone, which for anyone that works in kg is around 16 kg. I mean, congratulations, that's massive. And I love your question because sometimes those last seven pounds, those last three kg, oof, they are hard to lose. So my advice on this one would be we need to get you trying something new just to get those last seven pounds off. So what I would suggest is refocusing. And instead of doing the calorie counting, instead of doing what particular fad is popular at the minute, I would suggest working on building healthy habits. Because if you can focus on the habits, the other things will take care of themselves. What I mean by that is set some simple sounding things in place. So really work on the habit of your sleep because, you know, Roshan and I talk about sleep a lot because it's so important. But if you can get that sleep taken over really nicely, solid eight hours of sleep a night, not just catnapping, nice deep sleep. Hopefully you'll wake up the next day, you'll feel energized and you won't just be reaching straight for that sugar and caffeine. So focus on the habits, go for the sleep, go for the movement habit rather than having to track every single thing that you do. But for the movement habit, it could be, I'm going to make sure I get at least one walk-in after work every day. I'm going to aim for the 10,000 steps, but that's my movement habit. Then you could look at, you know, when it comes to food, you could just say, well, I'm not going to stress too much, but what I am going to do is I'm going to look a little bit more at meal prep. Now, meal prep is really just a fancy word for a packed lunch. You know, so all we're going to do is we're just going to make sure that instead of eating in the lunch canteen every day, I am just going to bring in a packed lunch. So I would suggest stop stressing about the calories per se, try and work on the habits and it will give you a way of losing that last seven pounds without necessarily thinking about losing the last seven pounds because these habits do work and they do make a difference. And what I love about getting the habits up and running is these are then skills that you have in the long term. This isn't like a really quick fix. This is you will just be in a better place overall as well. So that would be the advice I would give. Just refocus, work on solid habits and everything else should take care of itself. Like Annika, I've absolutely been there where I have done all the work and I can't cross the finishing line in terms of weight loss. And by the time that you've lost two and a half stone, I think I was like in that region. I think when I did my last big weight loss thing, I was just done with it. I was like, oh, for holy hell, just give me some pizza. Because by the time you get to that kind of weight loss, you have sat in restaurants and watched people eat nice food. You have sat with family and friends and they have chucked back wine that you haven't chucked back. They have done the whole, would you like a croissant? And you're like, oh, no, I'm not in the mood today. Let me enjoy my black coffee. 
By the way, anyone that is ever going, ooh, I'd love a black coffee, they're dieting. Oh, 100%. 100%. Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, been there. Mm-hmm. I had to reorientate my plan. Your body starts getting used to it. The level of training with the level of eating and things like that. So what I would do is I'd actually change the times that I ate, marginally, but not too much. I changed up my training a little bit. I went from solo training to classes for motivation and just maybe just change up because your food prep is probably quite stagnating and your body's kind of going, oh, she's going to give us, you know, X amount of chicken, X amount of rice, X amount of whatever. So just change up that that diet just a little bit and just see how it goes. Don't freak out. If you start to gain a little bit, you can always go back to the food. Don't worry about habit stacking. So you're listening to your podcast when you're walking your dog. Therefore, you're walking. So that's three beautiful habits all at once. And sleep. I'm going to go back to sleep because straight up my diet has been shocking for the last couple of weeks. And I've been kind of working pretty long hours. And I just cannot get the motivation to even go back. So I absolutely understand where Annika is. And it's around sleep. I'm not getting enough sleep. So I've got less energy. So I'm drinking more of that beautiful black coffee in the mornings. And the food is just going in. And I came across this um, idea of the breaking your day into three. So there's 24 hours, therefore there's three lots of eight and you want to keep a solid eight hours for sleep and then you need a solid eight hours probably for work. Yeah, that that's probably what the average person is doing. Most of us are doing an awful lot more, but you're going to have to try and keep, if you want to keep this kind of balance in your life, eight sleep, Try and keep it to eight work wherever you can. And then that gives you eight hours of relaxation, leisure, family time, friend time, exercise time. But basically it just puts it into a nice structure. So you're not overly doing things. But the most important bit of this eight hour structure is the eight hours of sleep. Because if you are well rested, and I know this from personal experience, and definitely from the last four weeks, if you get that eight hours under your belt, you make better decisions at the other two points. That is in your work life and in your home and leisure time. I genuinely couldn't agree more. Yeah, I don't think I even need to add into that. I think sleep is the thing to start with. Anyone that I would be talking to... I would say you have to try and get the sleep right first because it impacts everything. It's it's massively important. The other quick thing I would just add on is when it comes to losing those last seven pounds, make sure you're working with your cycle, not against it, because it could be that those last seven pounds are getting harder to shift. And this is where we talk about marginal gains and you really have to hone in on those little little things that make a big difference. Make sure you're training with your cycle, not against it. And typically what this means is you have more energy in that first half of your cycle. And then you have, you find it a bit tougher quite often in the second half of your cycle, but it can make quite a big difference in terms of how likely you are to go to the gym. If you're absolutely trying to smash it in the second half of your cycle and actually your body isn't ready to do that, maybe just lay off the second half of the cycle just a little bit, rein that effort level in so that you keep going back in two weeks time. If you're trying to force something in in that second phase of your cycle, and you end up just hating it, you're not going to go back in the good bit in a couple of weeks' time. So make sure you're adapting for the different stages because, and Roshi knows that this is my favourite phrase, consistency is key. It is very much your favourite saying, but it is absolutely true. Our next question is from Kirsty, all the way from Australia, Sydney, Australia. Isn't that incredible? Mm -hmm. I bet the weather's so much better there than it is here in Blighty. Anyway, 
Hi, Marie and Roshi. My question is simple. I'm about to get started on my first round of IVF, but I absolutely hate needles. Do you have any advice? Love this question. I don't think we've really talked about this before. We've talked about the practical issues of managing IVF in your life, but we haven't actually just talked about needles. Kirsty, good luck with the first round of IVF. Absolutely everything crossed for you. You're absolutely right. IVF is definitely going to involve injections. What I would say is there are definitely a few things you can do to make the injection process just that little bit easier. And it's a really important question because some people will be getting up to around 90 injections with one IVF cycle. So this is a really important question. So a few things to make the injection process easier. If you're worried that the injections are going to hurt, and that is one of the big things people are worried about. The first thing I would say is a lot of the time it's nowhere near as painful as you if you think it's going to be. Okay, so that is genuinely the first thing to say to you. The second thing is some of the needles and some of the meds, particularly the kind of progesterone meds, those needles are bigger and the medication that you are injecting is just kind of thicker. So some people do find those injections less comfortable. So advice to make this all a little bit easier. You can actually try and numb the area before you do the injection. Some people go old school, bit of an ice cube. And I do know about this trick where some people, I don't know if you've heard of this, Roshan, some people put coins in a freezer and then they use the coin to just put it on the spot just before they do the injection. Had you ever heard of that, Roshan? I haven't, but it makes complete sense. It's like numbing the area, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Really low tech, but apparently that works quite well. So ice or numb the area first um, and it just makes it that little bit easier when you're doing the injections and actually get over the counter numbing cream as well. So if you're genuinely worried about it, you can go to your pharmacist, just make sure that you wipe the cream away with your, your antibacterial wipes before doing the injection. Another way to kind of take the pinch out of it is if you put pressure on the injection site for about 60 seconds before injecting and then obviously take your finger or your thumb off that site. When you then inject in there, that's supposed to make the site just a little bit number. So I've heard a few clients talk about that in the past. And the other thing is when it comes to the, the slightly more, let's say, um, challenging injections, these are the intramuscular injections. This is going to sound like a really obvious thing to say, but try and make sure the muscle you're injecting into, which quite often is just your gluteus maximus, so your bum muscles, try and make sure that you're as relaxed as possible. And I appreciate that when someone's coming at you with a needle, you know, that that is sometimes not that easy. But if you have a partner and you can actually lie face down on your bed or on your sofa, the muscles are then just more relaxed. So it's easier to get the needle in, basically. So if you're really struggling, try and relax and um, maybe change the position you're in. But I do appreciate that can be hard. Is there different injection sites depending on the medication? As in, do you have to inject into your legs or your arms or or it could it be just anywhere? The quick answer to that is it depends on what you're injecting. Sometimes the injections will be subcutaneous, which means that you're going to be injecting into basically a fatty area. So typically that's kind of in your abdomen. Actually, I had to do this. I've just remembered. I had to do this when I was postpartum just to make sure I didn't get a blood clot. And yeah, the, the easiest bit for me was kind of the fattier bit around your abdomen. Some of the injections, though, they go in your bum, basically. 
your glutes are your biggest muscles in your body. So they're actually a really good point if you're trying to inject into the muscles. So yeah, depends what you're injecting, but there are different sites for them. One of the things I learned during COVID, the girl who gave me my COVID injection, I mean, she was so skilled. Like they just injected people like on a moment by moment basis. And I remember she said, if you sit lovely and straight and let your arm dangle, if it has to go into your you know, your upper arm where you traditionally, I suppose, get a vaccine, just let your arm hang. Naturally, you want to rest maybe your arm on your leg. If you just let your arm hang, you don't feel a thing. Wow. Okay just the most incredible thing she went yeah that's the hack you just let your arm hang so but again if you are petrified as Kirsty is sometimes it's best not to see what's coming maybe uh, a partner can help or a friend I know exactly what it's like they're not the nicest things in the world and we've got time for a final question from Sam Sam is also going through her TTC journey she has read that high cortisol levels prevents weight loss and may even cause weight gain around your tummy. She is stressed out of her mind as a result (laughs) of her TTC journey. So she feels that she can't really make any inroads until she reduces her cortisol levels. Is there any exercises that can help her do that? As if IVF and fertility treatment wasn't bad enough, it's this horrible self-fulfilling cycle where I need to get my BMI down But I'm feeling really stressed because I need to get my BMI down. But hey ho, stress releases cortisol. Cortisol makes me put on weight and makes it hard for me to lose weight. It just seems ridiculously unfair. But to answer the question, you're absolutely right. Cortisol is the stress hormone. It's part of our fight or flight response. Your body will produce it automatically. We were designed to run from bears and lions and creatures. And it kind of makes sense in that situation. When we are living our very westernised life, it isn't always as helpful. And unfortunately, having too much cortisol can lead to extra fat, particularly around the abdomen area. It can have an effect on your blood sugar and it absolutely can make it harder to lose weight, if you like, or lose fat. I already know that people are going to be shouting at me when I say this, but one of the best things to do is to try and be less stressed. Please don't yell at me. I know that that's really hard. When it comes to particular exercises, what I would say is, well, I would say two things. Firstly, take the pressure off having to do multiple training sessions a week. Okay, so just take a step back. Maybe just say, I am going to aim for one to two sessions a week just to get your body feeling less stressed before we then gradually build back up to that pressurized situation. Lower the kind of expectations just a little bit. Go back to basics. Aim for one to two workouts a week. Celebrate every single workout you do. If you are finding the idea of doing a whole workout too stressful, and I have this with a lot of my clients, please just do one set. Just set the timer for five minutes and just do five minutes of your workout because I promise you, you will feel less stressed. So it may not be about the exact movements that you're doing, although sometimes it is, but it may not be about the exact movements that you're doing. A lot of it's around the expectations of figuring out how to get workouts into a week and then not beating yourself up when you don't get them done. Really aim for five, 10 minute workout a couple of times a week, build up your self-belief, build up your self-control and feel really proud of yourself. Then you will feel less stressed and then it will all start to build up naturally, naturally. It's a bit like the habits question we talked about earlier. Just go back to basics and try and get those lovely healthy habits in. 
you will feel less stressed, you will feel more in control, less cortisol, and eventually that will lead to you losing that fat because you are less stressed overall. You could also do things that kind of reward your body in ways. Doing some neck exercises, trying to loosen out your shoulders. I also am an advocate, as you know, for a warm bath, but really why I like it, apart from it really helps you sleep, is it's kind of like really impossible to do an awful lot more things than have a bath than just have a bath. I have literally been having baths so that I can't do anything else. And I, in a non-weird way, Roisin, I did think of you when I was running my bath because I actually thought Roisin will be so proud. I do like, I I want you to think of me in that moment, Maria. (laughs) I was thinking of That's the moment I want you to think about me. (laughs) Absolutely was though. Because I'm I'm really bad at sitting still. I can't do it. I can't sit still. I literally like I've I've tried. I can't do it. So what I am now having to do is build in ways to make myself sit still, to get off the socials, to stop doing all the things. And one of the only ways I can do that is literally to be in a hot bath because I can't do anything else. I'm not bringing my phone in there. I'm not even having a podcast on. I nearly tricked myself with that. I was like, just bring it in and listen to a podcast. You could learn something. You could learn something. I did that. I went down that route and then I caught myself and I said, no brain, absolutely not. So all I can do is lie there in that bath and it's literally one of the only ways I can sit still. But the point being, I do feel less stressed afterwards because I have made myself sit still. A lot of what we've talked about today sounds really simple and sometimes it does sound really obvious, but for anyone listening who's thinking, God, this is all really obvious, what I would ask you to do is, but are you actually doing it though? Because the difficulty with some of this is it's like hiding in plain sight. You see the bath every time you go to the toilet, but do you ever get in it? Well, actually, no, I don't ever get in it because I'm always really busy. So I just have a shower. Yes, some of these things are really obvious, but are you actually doing them? And if not, just pick one and just try and build it in this week because they do actually work. And the things that Roshin and I are saying, you know, that we're actively working on, we really are actively working on these things. We are taking our own advice. Um, I am having the hot bath just so I sit still. And I know Roshin's built the food system in because I've been round to a house. So please just ask yourself, I know this is obvious, but am I actually doing it? And if not, just try one thing this week, have a go and let us know. Yeah, like none of us are done. This is this the other thing with a large amount of what we're talking about in terms of sleep and stress management and eating and trying to get within that BMI to get you into the best place for IVF and, and all of that kind of thing is all of us fall off these wagons all the time and it's not a straight line. These things are not a straight line. They're they're wobbly and confusing and difficult lines. If we could all do it seamlessly, it, there would be no problem whatsoever. But unfortunately, we all have to reset. And I, for some reason, always have to be reminded, oh, yeah, that's that's yeah. what I did to be successful. Yeah. And why am I not doing it anymore? Because it's a bit tough. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's start it again. So I know that my stuff is off because I'm not getting my sleep right. So I have to bring back in my sleep system, which is basically... I have to go to bed at a certain time at night and not be on the reels. <laughs> <laughs> Why does everything come back to the damn reels? I know, it's an illness, but it's so Maria, true. it's an illness. It's so true. But yeah, I, I completely agree. And I love the questions that, that we've focused on this week because they're all very different, but they're also all very similar in terms of giving yourself permission, 
try the things, even if they seem simple, because they actually do work. Yeah, yeah, they really do. And we are as guilty about knowing this stuff and not doing it as anybody <laughs> else. So with our October Q&A done, as we venture into November, can you believe it? Who will we be speaking to next? I am ridiculously excited. We are speaking to coach Tammy Bennett. Now, Tammy is a certified life and mindset coach, and she is the host of her own podcast, Show Up Society. And what's amazing about Tammy is she helps people to unblock their life and achieve their goals. And I'm really excited to talk to her about how our listeners can unblock their life and some of the problems they come to when they're going through IVF. So I'm really, really excited to make sure you tune in. Thank you so much for listening to this week's show. Remember to subscribe to get a shiny new episode each week and please rate, comment and really importantly share with your friends, especially our trying to conceive sisters. You never know who's struggling and they may need that little bit of extra help. This may come as a surprise, but we are not doctors. We strongly recommend that you consult with your doctor before beginning any exercise or nutrition program. Get everything checked out first. Your safety is our priority. This has been a Worth a Listen production.